Hi, I'm Jane Hilsden, marketing consultant and founder of Dragonfly Marketing. Welcome to this episode of the How To Do Marketing Show, a no-nonsense podcast about marketing for small business. It's our mission at Dragonfly Marketing to put marketing on the agenda for every regionally based small business in Australia. Why? Because we know that when marketing is done properly, it can help your business grow. We believe small businesses are the backbone of our nation. When your business grows, it benefits not only you and your family, it benefits your whole community. Small businesses create a vibrant and connected economy. We employ local people, we donate to local charities and we work together to build resilient and thriving regional communities. The How To Do Marketing Show is a podcast just for you and your small business. Bursting with marketing insight and information, this show will be a fabulous resource to help you know all there is to know about the topic of marketing for small business. This episode, you will be hearing from myself. I'm going to be talking about the role that fear can play when small businesses are approaching the idea of becoming thought leaders or producing thought leadership style content um, on behalf of their brand and their business. So this is something that I see happen in small businesses all the time. Um, there's a reticence, there's a, there's a real reluctance sometimes from business owners and people within a business to put themselves out there and be the face behind their brand or even be that person that shares their expertise to demonstrate um, their, their expertise and to demonstrate their knowledge and to demonstrate um, how, you know, they might be able to help um, their, their clients or their, their customers. Thought leadership content and, and, and this, this style of content marketing can be so powerful, um, but there is so much fear that sits around it. And it's fear of all sorts of different things. It's fear um, that is actually pretty irrational fear. So in this episode, I'm going to be talking through all the different types of fears that I have come across um, in, my, in my work with small businesses. And I've addressed each of those fears with some facts and some um, facts that I've come up with. <laughs> um, also some anecdotal experience that, that I've also um, built over the, over the years. Um, and also just a few kind of suggested tweaks of mindset to address this fear um, because it is really the main thing that's holding a lot of small businesses back from contributing um, to their marketing in this way. And that could potentially be something that's um, inhibiting them or putting them at a disadvantage. So anyway, grab a cuppa or a glass of wine, whatever time of night or day it is with you and enjoy the episode. One of the biggest challenges that so many small business owners face when they're looking down the barrel of commencing content marketing is fear. There's so many things that people are fearful of when it comes to sharing 
their expertise, their opinions, and their insight on the public stage. And when I'm talking about the public stage, I'm not talking about public speaking down at the town hall or the local chamber of commerce or even at an industry conference because that's a next level of fear. <laughs> uh, public speaking is um, more feared than death in some circumstances, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the stage of social media and digital marketing. And when I'm talking about content marketing, I'm specifically referring to sharing thought leadership style of articles via your digital platforms. And I call these stages because they kind of are. Like when you get on LinkedIn and share your opinion to your connect your network of connections, it's like a virtual stage. You're you're putting some information out there. Um, and an audience is going to read that. And it's the same with Facebook and it's the same with Instagram. I guess the difference between Facebook and Instagram is, is maybe your content is not so um, thorough. It might not be in the form of a written piece. It might not be in the form of a longer style video because those platforms generally tend to be designed for more frivolous, fun, entertaining, short form content. But on LinkedIn, you know, if you're sharing some of your expertise, there's generally a lot of thought that, that's gone into that and it generally does come, in, come via a, a longer form style of, of content, particularly if you're sharing a blog article or, or a longer, you know, longer video that, um, that is an opinion piece. The other stage that you might share some of your content marketing is obviously if you're blogging and, and putting blogs on your own website, but it can also be if you're doing some um, blogging or article contribution to some industry blog sites or industry publications. If you're contributing to, you know, a, a newspaper column as, as an expert or as a topic expert in, in something, you know, these are all stages where we're contributing our, our insights and our thoughts and our expertise and there's a, there's a large audience of people who are going to consume that information. So when I'm talking about content marketing and thought leadership in this episode, um, that's what I'm kind of referring to there. I'm not talking about Instagram memes that you share out via your Instagram page or, you know, photos behind the scenes and those sorts of things. They're also content marketing. That's not necessarily what I'm, I'm talking about here. I'm talking about when you're demonstrating your level of expertise on a topic. Typically, this is something that happens a lot in the professional services industry. And when we're working with professional service organisations, this is a big part of their strategy. And it's a part of their strategy because it's a perfect way to demonstrate your expertise. When you're writing about something um, that's, that's demonstrating a level of, of knowledge and expertise and experience, um, you know, this is, this is really, really powerful proof that, that you know what you're talking about. Um, it's generally something that's designed to for a business-to-business -business kind of approach, but it might not be. It might be business-to-consumer. You know, it could be a financial planner who is demonstrating their expertise to, you know, a mum and dad client 
um, who's looking to to invest in some financial planning advice. But it generally does happen a lot in in the professional services um, industry. But it can also be business leaders who come from any industry. So you might own a chain of retail stores and you want to become a bit of a thought leader for whatever reason um, in your industry. And in this in that case, you probably are going to also be producing some thought leadership content. You might be a physiotherapist who wants to start sharing some of your insight from the industry at a greater level rather than just seeing patients all the time. So you might start to want to start producing some thought leadership content there as well. So that's, that's what I'm talking about when, when, I, when I'm talking about thought leadership and content marketing. And I've been producing personally content marketing and, and thought leadership pieces for quite a while now. Obviously, it's something that I espouse and it's something that I do with, within my business and I feel like it's, it really does make a big difference when I do it within my business and it's led to a lot of, um, a lot of success in terms of, of making people aware of me um, giving people an understanding of the approach that I take to to marketing and engaging with my content. You know, if anyone follows me on LinkedIn, I'm I'm always posting you know episodes of of this podcast, which can be thought leadership. Like this episode in itself is a piece of thought leadership content. Um, I'm posting the snack time videos. That's a bit of thought leadership content. I post blogs all the time there. Um, but something that I also do is contribute articles to other um, media. So, so I contribute to Flying Solo. I've contributed several several articles there. I ha- contribute to um, a media platform called Practitioner Playbook, um, and that one is specifically for lawyers and, and conveyances, and I often contribute about three or four articles there. I used to contribute to a blogging site, a small business blogging site that was set up by Andrew Griffiths and it was called Smallville. And I used to contribute a blog article there every month. And um, it was great because what that means when I'm actually contributing outside of my own channels, it, it means obviously that I'm, I'm um, extending my reach and my visibility beyond my own networks. And, and this is kind of the point of marketing is we don't want to just keep showing up and talking to the same people again and again and again, because the people in your network, you know, are are kind of aware of you. If you're doing your job properly with your marketing to, to your existing community, they're aware of you. But in order to grow, in order to make sure that you're increasing the number of people coming in at the top of your marketing journey, your marketing funnel, we need to make sure that, that we're constantly exposing ourselves to, to new people so that they can become aware of us then they can start to consume our content um, and then they can start to engage with us and then they can make a decision as to whether they like us and trust us enough to then consider doing business with us. So so going out to, to other blogging um, and, and media you know, platforms and, and sharing your opinion and, and insight is, is part of this process. So I was contributing to, to Smallville on a monthly basis and Smallville, um, I think the site's still there, but it's, it's no longer, we're not, it's no longer active in terms of contributions. But one month, I'd been doing it for about five months, and one month the um, 
blog coordinator wrote to me so excited she was like jane your article's just been picked up by mumbrella this is so exciting they've asked if they can repost it um you know do you give that permission and i was just so floored because i was like oh, wow mumbrella is the big time this little old small business marketer has just had her article picked up by the one of the biggest and most respected platforms in my industry. So Mumbrella um, is, is widely used throughout Australia by all the big agencies and all the big marketers. Um, it's like, wow, cool, I've hit the big time. And the, the article itself was an opinion piece. So it wasn't necessarily an um, advice piece or, or, you know, tips or anything like that. It was literally an opinion piece. And it was an opinion piece based on me um, deciding not to use Instagram or deciding not to invest my time um, using the Instagram channel as, as one of my channels. I had built my Instagram, um, I had built, sorry about the little notification there, I had built my Instagram channel up to a certain point um, and gosh, that had just taken so much work and then the algorithm kind of changed um, and I just noticed that the, the organic uh, engagement that I was getting via the platform just dropped dramatically. So I thought, well, if I need to, if I want to continue getting the, the reach and engagement that I was in the past, just like everything else, okay, I have to start paying for it. That's fine. That's, that's, what, that's what I do on Facebook. All good. The difference was at that point was when I actually looked back at a strategic level and went, okay, if I'm going to start paying for my content to get out via Instagram, that means I really need to know and be sure and certain that that's where my, that's where I'm actually going to get some leads and, um, and sales because I'm not going to invest in a channel and, and getting content out there if, if that's not um, going to drive leads and sales. Anyway, so when I kind of looked at the existing clients that, that you know, did a restock re and, and, and an audit and, and uh, went, right, okay, who are the type of clients that I'm working with at the moment? These are pretty um, indicative of the types of clients that, that I'm, I'm going to be working with in the future and, and looking to work with in the future. And the trend, the demographic trend of those clients was that they were in their kind of late 40s and predominantly male now, I don't know if you guys know anything about um, males in that are, are aged predominantly in their 40s, but there's something that I know, um, and that's that typically those guys are not on Instagram. In fact, they don't even have a profile on Instagram. In fact, they're lucky to be on social media at all. Um, where they are, um, if anywhere, and, and as my research, um, as my research and my anecdotal experience kind of indicated, was was they're on Facebook and they're on LinkedIn. They consume content. They don't necessarily engage with it. So I was like, okay, that does not make sense for me to be paying to be on a channel and putting all my resources on on a channel where pr predominantly that's not where my target audience are. So the, 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 businesses that, the, the business that I generally do is, is a lot of retainer work. So it's a very high level investment for, for a small business. Um, for smaller investments um, and perhaps if I was targeting 
um, you know, female female business owners, then it would be a different different story. And now, now that I am, um, because I've got some other products that aren't so um, you know investment heavy for small businesses, um, Instagram is is now relevant. But at that point, it wasn't. So I wrote an opinion piece on it and said, Do you know what, I'm off. I'm off Instagram. I've built my community. Um, I've spent a lot of time there, had some fun. I'm not getting, you know, now that that organic reach is not there, I've had to make the decision um, as to whether to invest in it or not, um, and I'm not going to. So, you know, if, if this helps anyone make that decision, if they're not getting the results they need, you know, it is it is a really good idea to go through the process of, of understanding, if, is this a viable channel? Is this going to be a profitable channel um, for me to to continue investing in my marketing? If not, walk away. It's okay to do that. So that was what my my article was about. And um, I posted it and then obviously my umbrella picked it up and I was like, yay, wow, okay, there you go, fantastic. Six months later, I wanted to include that um, article in, I don't know, it was was something that I was doing as a profile piece and I thought, you know, I just wanted to include, you know, articles published in Mumbrella, Smallville, blah, blah, blah. So I went to go and pick up this article and I realised that there were six comments that had been made in the article um, afterwards because because Mumbrella is a platform where, you, you know, you can post your article and then people will give comments. And the comments... Like I remember it was a Saturday morning and I was putting this profile piece together on a, a Saturday morning and I read these comments and I must say my heart sank. You know when you get that sick feeling in your stomach when when you've, you know, someone, you've gone out there on a limb, you've given your opinion out to the masses, out on your stage and six people have written back with really derogatory, smart-ass comments, um, essentially just being really rude and, you know, like, um, oh, wow, what kind of a marketer are you? You know, what are you expecting Instagram to give? You know, everybody knows that that you don't get anything for free on Instagram, you know, um, this is ridiculous. But essentially that was that was the that was the comments in a nutshell. And I went back and reread the article because I was like, was I not clear in that article that I'm not just giving it up because I'm no longer getting traction for free. I'm giving it up because my clients aren't there. And and of course I had made that abundantly clear, but these people obviously hadn't hadn't read that bit and had decided to leave this rude comment. Now, not only, you know, A, that just the humiliation, the humiliation and going, oh my God, you know, like, oh, how, you know, and me second guessing myself, I'm like, did I just, oh my God, is that how the article came across? Does, do I come across as some stupid marketer who doesn't know the basics of social media marketing? And of course, I, I didn't come across that way at all. Um, but I think one person had commented and then somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. And, you know, for, for at, at a very, very um, basic level, for me on a personal value, I'm like, God, I would never do that. Like that is just not something I would ever, ever do. Um, but B, you know, I was like, gosh, that's, I'm, you know, embarrassed and those comments are there and, and that reflects badly on me and, and all the rest. Anyway, 
I made the decision to professionally address each one of those comments, um, not to antagonise. Look, to be honest, they've probably never been back to actually see if there's been a reply. Um, and I didn't do it to antagonise. I didn't do it to argue. I certainly don't, didn't want to bring anything back up again. But I just thought, do you know what? This, if you search Jane Hilsden, Mumbrella, that article's there and these comments are there and that's there for life. So I'm just going to make sure that I reply to these comments to make sure that I don't look like a complete dickhead. So in a very professional manner, I've, I've replied to, to them all and kind of moved on. In the six years or more that, that I've been really active in terms of using social media as a stage to, to share my insight and my expertise and all the rest, that's happened once once i can't even think of another time that, that that that's actually happened and if you think about it i'm probably putting out content two to three times per week if not more a lot of the time so that's happened once but when i deal with a lot of small businesses and we and we commence the idea and the concept of of them sharing their expertise and sharing their ex their their, their insight and experience the fear that takes hold of them is by far the number one challenge that stops them gaining traction and even getting started in this area of marketing. And if it wasn't so bloody important to get this stuff out there and to do this style of marketing for particular types of businesses, then I wouldn't worry. I don't want to put people out of their comfort zone. I never want to make people feel uncomfortable about what they're doing. Um, but I just know that this fear is unwarranted. It's in our head and it's, it's not logical or rational fear. So I wanted to address some of these fears in, in this episode um, of the How to Do Marketing show because I think... It's something that, that is experienced by so many businesses on different levels. You know, I, I can detect it from some people who are just mildly fearful of, of getting out there and, and, and sharing their expertise and, and putting themselves out there as a topic expert. Um, and then there's people who have extreme fear around it. And they dress it up, of course, as something else. Um, and generally it takes a little bit of digging to go, well, it's, it's actually not that reason why you're not, you're not doing it. And it's not actually that person's fault that you're not doing it. At the end of the day, this is coming down to your mindset and the fact that this is really pushing you out of your comfort zone and you've got some fear here. So I'm just going to put this information out there. Um, I'm going to talk about some of the fears that people have and then I'm going to talk about how to maybe not address those fears, but maybe just, I guess, some, some different perspectives from the other side so that you can kind of rethink those fears or maybe address those fears, you know, in, in your own mind uh, by just thinking differently. Um, and again, the reason why I'm doing this is because thought leadership and producing and publishing thought leadership articles can just lead to so many good things with your, with your marketing. They, it hits so many of the objectives in, in um, our marketing ecosystem and, and our marketing funnel, and it can really help amplify your marketing results. So it's, I, I think it's really important, and, and that's why I'm going to go through these, these fears. Okay, so I reckon number one, 
One of the biggest fears that small businesses have is that they're going to say the wrong thing. Now, the wrong thing might be, I'm, you know, what happens if I make a spelling mistake? Um, what happens if I, if it's a particularly um, technical industry, what happens if I make, you know, a, a legis a, a, an error about a particular part of legislation? Um, what what happens if I put an outdated fact in there, or an outdated statistic, or if someone calls me to 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 account on a particular fact that that I post? Um, what if I say the wrong thing? You know, then everyone's going to you know, see that everyone's going to think that I'm not an expert, I'm a fool and I'm an imposter and that I shouldn't be here. So as you can see, there's there's various degrees of, of the wrong thing there. Now, let's address the spelling error first and foremost. I'm going to put it right out there. There was years where where I didn't understand my personality style and then one day I did the DISC profile. I don't know if anyone's done any personality profiling. But before I did the DISC profiling and didn't really understand that I was a certain type of person, I, because I make, I make spelling errors all the time because I'm the type of person that moves quickly and gets shit done and I'm action-oriented and I'm big picture and I'm strategic. And I know that now. But before that, I used to absolutely berate myself for if I, if I would make a spelling mistake or if I would miss a particular detail and if somebody picked that up and I would go, oh, God, you know, wow, Jane, you call yourself a marketer. That's shocking attention to detail. You know, who, who even are you? Anyway, then I did this disc profiling and I realised that I'm an ID type of personality, which means influencer dominant. And I'm incredibly extreme at, at that, like outside the circle kind of extreme. Um, and the, the, the traits and the qualities of influencer dominant are big picture, strategic, fast moving, action oriented, get shit done, results driven, determined, um, leadership you know, strong leadership can lead a group, da 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 da, da. But <laughs> when it comes to attention to detail, not my strength. Conscientious is not my strength. So I make, as a result, I make spelling errors all the time because I'm so driven to get shit done and to get stuff out there, prolific beats perfect for me. Rather than sit there and deliberate and make sure everything's absolutely perfect, I just get stuff out there. And the beautiful thing about social media and digital channels is that if I make a spelling mistake, I just have to go back into that post and edit it. No big deal, not a game changer, world doesn't end, I just change it. Sure. There are going to be people that judge me on those mistakes and that's fine because they're actually judging me for the wrong reasons in terms of the value that I bring. I will never sit here and, and give you any thought leadership about the importance of spelling, ever. 
What I will sit here and espouse is the importance of strategic thinking, of creativity, of big picture thinking, of actually just getting started and getting stuff done. That's my strength. So people can judge me on that because that's what I'm saying I'm good at. If people are going to judge me on my spelling errors, they need to go and get another marketing consultant who sits in that conscientious quarter, quartile, and can spell check like a beast, but probably can't think very strategically, probably can't think very creatively, or it just might not be their strength. So it's about kind of getting comfortable with, do we need everything to be absolutely perfect? Can it be fixed by just going in and editing? If it's an email that goes out and you've made a particular blunder, can you just send the email afterwards saying, whoops, sorry, we made a mistake? Guess what? People actually like to know that people are human. You know, let's take the pressure off being absolutely perfect and let's just get out there and share what we have to share with the, with the world. So spelling error, we can get over that. Um, if we're saying the wrong thing, the wrong piece of, you know, we've just quoted the wrong piece of legislation or we've just quoted the wrong fact or we've put a wrong statistic in, whatever. Again, it's editable. We can go back in. We can make a really clear edit. We can say, edit, whoops, sorry, included the wrong piece of information by mistake. Please note, I have now updated this. Uh, we can put an edit in. Whoops, quoted the wrong piece of legislation. It's actually this instead of that. Um, the wrong thing can generally be overcome. The amount of emails that I've had, and I laugh at them. I think they're hilarious, and it makes me actually in, it makes me endear myself to the brand. Where I where I'll get an email from from a company who've sent out one email campaign, and then they send up a, send out a follow up half an hour later that says, "Oh my goodness, you know, well well, this is embarrassing. You know, we've we've sent you the wrong link. We meant to put this link. It's actually this link." Yeah, get it. I get it. Sometimes when we move quickly and are prepared to break things, we make small errors, but we can fix those errors. And guess what? That only happens 1% of the time. You know, even with my propensity for, for spelling errors because I'm moving so quickly, that doesn't happen in every post. It happens in a really small percentage of posts. So if I was not to proceed confidently with my posting and my blogs and helping people by getting content out there just because I was scared that I was going to make a mistake, then there'd be a whole lot of people who don't get to, you know, get get any of the, the valuable or valuable advice or tips or anything that I bring. And, and honestly, I just think the, the value that, that I deliver with my content far outweighs the inconvenience of someone having to read one of my spelling errors. Okay, so that's fear, fear of saying the, the wrong thing. And, and that might be a contentious issue for some people, particularly those who really do like a factually and um, correctly written post. And so I do apologise for, for you, for, for you if, if you do take offence by, by those posts. Please feel free to, to scroll on by. Okay, fear number two, fear of being judged by your contemporaries. And do you know what? I think 
that is who we fear the most. And that's who attacked me in, in that Mumbrella um, episode. It was other marketers um, who were just being snarky and rude. And, um, and as I found out, apparently Mumbrella is renowned for, for those kind of people that hang out there and obviously have nothing better to do but um, sit there and criticise everybody else's articles. But I go back to Brené Brown and, um, and, and simply say, get in the arena. Get in the arena and start publishing your own content before you sit there as an anonymous keyboard warrior and start criticising other people's. Um, the biggest thing to get around this, and of course your contemporaries are going to read your content, of course your competition are going to read your co your content. You know, we're all human beings. Um, I'm not going to say that they're not going to read it. All I'm going to say is you're not producing this thought leadership content for your competition or for the other people in your industry. They're not the people who are going to buy from you. They are not the people that you're ultimately here to serve. So don't worry about what they think because your content is not for them. And my guess is that if you are, if you are in a position where it is relevant for you to provide thought leadership, if you do have experience and strong opinions or insight, expertise that you, ha that, that you have developed in yourself over the years, you know your stuff. Back yourself. Don't worry about the, the small holes that people might be able to find in your content. You know your stuff. You know that you're giving advice that people value. So don't be afraid to get out there and give it to other people. Don't worry about what your competition's going to think. Don't write for your goddamn competition. Write for your audience. And your audience, the reason they're going to come and purchase from you is because they don't have the technical expertise. They have nowhere near the technical expertise that you do. So they're actually relying. There's so much. There's 90% of your technical expertise. They don't know. So by you showing up and sharing some of this information with them, they're incredibly grateful for that. And you're, in, you're helping them to become a better person. You're helping them understand what you do. You're helping them be better in their job or better in their business or better as a person, whatever you're writing about. So that's who you're there for. That's who you're writing for. And you will have enough information and expertise to be able to share with them. Don't worry about the competition. Don't worry about your contemporaries. They're not who you're writing for. So number three is a fear of reflecting badly on your brand or your organisation. So this is a huge one. This, this is a big one. This is one that I get back all the time in terms of people just being really worried that any kind of headway that they've achieved with their, with their branding and their marketing is going to be completely undone by one post um, that may be, you know, have a spelling error or maybe technically, slightly technically incorrect, or maybe it's just not um, the most amazing, profound information that anyone's ever posted. 
um, you don't need to be posting the most amazing and profound content that, that anyone's ever posted, first and foremost. It's more about just showing up regularly and consistently with information that helps people. It doesn't need to be profound. You don't need to be Confucius. You don't need to be Seth Godin. You don't need to be Maya Angelou or Brené Brown. You just need to be you. And generally, if you do have a passion and a respect and a level of professionalism, you're not going to reflect unprofessionally on your organisation. Sure, if you turn up again and again and again and again and again with spelling error and spelling error and spelling error and incorrect information and really boring or shitty content, yeah, that's going to reflect badly on your, your, your profession, 100%. But my guess is that you're not a person that is going to do that. And if there is a fear that you are the person that's going to do that, outsource this get some advice, go to a consultant, get some help with this. If you really think that you're not the best person to be leading this, this thought leadership and content, then there are people that can help you. You don't have to be the person that does this. There are so many different ways that, that you can get help. Someone can ghostwrite your articles. Someone can actually manage your social media on your behalf. With, with the case of spelling errors, you just get it proofed just get it spell checked you know grammarly for god's sake that's that's there for a reason um there's all sorts of things that you can do to to help you make sure that your content's not professional uh, sorry not unprofessional um, and that it's not going to reflect badly on your organization but if you genuinely think that the content that you do will then it's time to get some advice. It's time to get somebody else in to, and it's time to, you know, to, to put your, your big person pants on and put yourself out there and actually take that to a few people and go, what do you reckon? So before you get on stage, take it to a few people backstage and just ask for their opinions. You know, what do you think about this? Does that make sense? Am I making sense? Is it too technical? You know, does it does it read in a in, in a legible format? Um, do you think it sounds you know too um, patronising, or do you think that this is you know relevant, or all of those things? If if you really don't feel like your your content's going to hit the mark, go and ask for feedback. And if the feedback comes back as yeah, this stuff just doesn't make sense. Yeah, that's like I don't even know what you're talking about. Or what are you on about here? Then, then it's time to go and get some help. Um, but it shouldn't be a reason that you don't turn up. So just because you can't create that professional content doesn't mean that you can't get the help to, to produce that professional content, which, will, which can very much look like it's coming from you. The amount of clients that we do this for, like it's phenomenal. <laughs> Um, so don't worry about getting somebody else to, to do it. Fear number four, um, a lot of people, if you're not in that, I'll go back to the personality types. If you're not in that kind of influencer segment, if, if you sit more in the, and I'm talking about disc profile here, um, if you sit more in that kind of conscientious or, or supporter segment or, or even sometimes the, the, the dominant and just not so much on the influencer side, sometimes you might get really uncomfortable at the thought of putting your head and yourself as a person out there on the stage. 
you might see when other people do that as a bit of shameless self-promotion. Oh, God, you know, she's just, she's always banging on. She just loves the bloody sound of her own voice. Um, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be the person that everybody says, oh, for God's sake, get off the stage. We've heard enough. Um, there's a couple of things to do to, to counteract that. Um, one is to make sure that you're not shameless self-promoting. <laughs> don't show up on stage and constantly talk about how amazing you are because then you kind of are that shameless self-promoter. Thought leadership content is about demonstrating your expertise. It's turning up with helpful content that educates, inspires, motivates, entertains. It's not about getting up on stage and going, I'm so good because I've done this. I'm extra good because I've done this. And have you had a look at me because I'm awesome? Nobody wants to hear that. That is shameless self-promotion and nobody wants to be that person. There are definitely people out there that are comfortable be, being that person, but that's not us and that's not thought leadership content. That's not something that we suggest for your marketing. So to not be a self-promoter, a shameless self-promoter, don't be. Turn up with valuable, insightful content that helps people because if you're doing that, you're not being that shameless self-promoter. And if you're genuinely helping people, people don't mind that you show up on their stage. People don't mind that you show up in their feed because you're actually helping them. So people actually want you to show up in their feed. The next fear is fear of annoying people or fear of showing up in people's feed too often. Now, this is different from shameless self-promotion because even if people are sharing content that's really valuable, people do get quite worried about bombarding people. But let me tell you a couple of things about how social media algorithms work. Firstly, people, the, the way social media algorithms work is they're watching very, very closely to see how people react to different content. And one of the reactions that they're looking for is what kind of content you are engaging with or you're hovering over for a little bit, bit, a little bit longer. So, so for me personally, when I go to LinkedIn or Facebook, you know, I'm flick, 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 and then something will stop me in my tracks. And it might be an article, it might be a video, it might be a series of photos, whatever it might be. Facebook observes that. LinkedIn observes that. All the social media cha um, uh, channels observe how I'm interacting with different content. So first of all, they're looking for the topic of content and they're going, okay, Jane seems to stop and look at a hell of a lot of fashion posts. Um, Jane seems to read a lot of articles about marketing. Jane never watches videos. So when Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram are deciding that the algorithms are deciding what to put in my feed, they're basing it on what I've interacted with in the past. So I produce a lot of videos, but I don't watch a lot because I'm too impatient. So I, I, I can't be bothered sitting there and, and, and watching the video. You know, if I do, I put it on like two times. So it just goes super fast. 
I'd much prefer to read the article because I can I can skim read and I can get the gist of an article really really quickly. And if it's a if it's a well read article, sorry, if it's a well written article, particularly for for digital, it will have subheadings and it will have you know short sentences sentences and short paragraphs. So I'm able to kind of digest that information super quickly. And who knows, you know, who knows if I can do that faster than a video? I don't know, but in my head, I can do that faster. It's more efficient. So. LinkedIn's going to, to, and Facebook are going to show me more articles to read and less videos. Um, it's also going to notice who I engage with. This is called infinity. So if I'm engaging, so if I'm seeing somebody's posts and I'm engaging with them all the time, loving them, liking them, you know, commenting on them, etc. Facebook or LinkedIn or Instagram is going to make sure that they're going to drop that person's content into my feed more often because it knows that I appreciate it. So if you're showing up in someone's feed too often, it's because they're interacting with your content. You know, there's there's a lot of clients who I'll talk to, or a lot of people in business who I'll talk to and they'll go, oh my God, have you seen this person or have you seen this on, you know, they just, I can't, you know, their posts, they drive me around the, the bend. And I say to them, well, stop bloody interacting with them. <laughs> stop hovering over them. Scroll on by. Stop engaging with them. Because if you're engaging with them, you're actually sending the message back to LinkedIn and Facebook that you want to see more of it. So, so if you're showing up in people's feeds all the time, it's generally because they're interacting with your, with your content. Now, if you're a small business owner who's in the position to bombard a feed so prolifically that that you are showing up in people's feeds too much and they don't want you to be there well then you know perhaps it is time to, to to scale back if you're getting that feedback and there's definitely a strategy and a science to making sure that your frequency has a heartbeat and a rhythm that's in sync with your client you know um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't show up on LinkedIn six times a day, um, because that's, that's just not someone like a small business owner doesn't have time to just read my stuff six times a day or doesn't want to see my stuff six times a day. Um, but perhaps a reminder for meditation or, you know, the, like my Apple watch sends me information to stop and take a breath. Um, every so often throughout the day, like that's relevant to, to show up um, several times throughout the day. And I don't mind that because it, it I only need to stop and breathe for a minute every, every minute. But I don't want to be hearing from my accountant six times a day or, or you know, having, having you know, financial planning or, or legal advice, you know, six times, times a day. So there's a bit of common sense. Um, that, that sits around this and, and, and there's a bit of a science of looking at, well, how, how often is it relevant um, to be in the feed? You know, essentially for, for a lot of this thought leadership content that I'm, I'm talking about, and this is, this is not kind of, again, Instagram frivolous, you know, dress posts about fashion and those sorts of things. Um, this, is, this is the thought leadership style of content. You know, I, I think weekly is a really, really good heartbeat because, and, and drumbeat because I think, you know, weekly is is perfectly acceptable to be reading and keeping on top of of um, industry articles. But the other thing about the algorithm that I want you to know there too is that don't assume that everybody that you've connected with or that's in your community have seen every single post that you have done. They haven't. In fact, they might not have seen something from you for the last month, depending on you know, how busy they've been. They might not have even been on Facebook or LinkedIn for the last month. 
um, you can see in your in your insights how many people have actually seen your your posts. Um, and and even then, when when you're looking at that number, that doesn't mean that's just everybody in your network that's that's seen it. So say for example, if I post something on LinkedIn and I see that you know seven thousand eight hundred people have have seen that post, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's all the people of my connections um, plus some more. That just means seven thousand eight hundred people. So so a good portion of those people are going to to be my connections, but some of those people are going to be sitting outside of my connections. So you can't assume that that just because you're putting content out there that everybody in your your community is is seeing it. So don't worry about you know annoying people or or putting too much content in people's feed because the likelihood is is that that you're not putting enough and that's more the case is is you're actually not putting enough information out there so the next fear is am i going to if i show up as the spokesperson of the business of the key person behind the brand am i going to drive too much work for me am i going to create a rod for my own back because everybody's going to want to you know want to come to me and um, and and me be their marketing consultant and me do their their marketing campaigns and projects and all the rest um, yeah sure people will get to know like and trust you and they will absolutely align you with your brand but that doesn't matter because if you've got the systems and process and processes and people in place that you've built to reflect the type of person that you are, to reflect your values, to reflect your ideas and to be able to deliver a job in the way that you would deliver that, it's not going to be a problem. There is a science, again, to be able to go, you know, to, to, to be the person behind the brand and to be the spokesperson and the ambassador. And then when people come in and they only want to deal with you, there's a few things that you can do. You can say, yeah, that's fine. My rate is this, which is at the premium. You can, you can, you can absolutely use me for this at this rate, or you can use such and such, such and such and such and such who are also brilliant marketers and they're going to be at this rate. But please be assured, they follow all the same processes that I have done. They follow the strategic planning process that I have built into this business. They get the same results that I would get, et cetera, et cetera. So your choice, you can work with me at double the price or whatever, or you can work with these guys and essentially you're going to get a very similar level of, of, um, of, of outcome. So that's one way to, to do it. The other thing is don't just be the key person behind your business. Get other people in your team behind, behind your content. So, you know, if you're out there and, and you're the leader of the business and you're building yourself as that, that, that kind of key person of influence, great. But that doesn't mean that you, you don't get other people within your business out there. You know, look for, those, look for those people in your team who are really keen to also publish content um, and also contribute to, to that ecosystem and, and align themselves with your brand because they're going to have complementary skills. They're going to have different skills. They're going to have different perspective. And some of them, you know, might be people that other people prefer to work with. 
you know, my, my approach, for example, is very, very direct. Um, there's other people on my team who are nowhere near as direct. So maybe by seeing some of the other people on my team, they really like the idea of the strategic process and the experience that I've got and all of that sort of stuff, but would prefer or are very happy to work with someone who's perhaps a different personality style or, or whatever, or has a different skill set or, or whatever the case may be. Um, so, yeah, so, so you, can, you can get around that by, by charging you know, different rates or by making yourself only available for a limited amount of time or whatever the case may be. Um, and you can also make sure that you're getting other people out there behind your brand. Now, the final fear that, that I will address is um, fear of, of hearing crickets when you post something and particularly if you've put a lot of effort into a blog post or you've put a lot of effort into a video and I can't tell you the amount of times that, you know, I'll put a video together or a piece of content together and I'll go, gosh, you know, this is a cracker. You know, this, this what great insight. You know, this is something that we come against all the time and if you just, you know, do this a bit differently, it can really get, you know, different results and all the rest. As business owners, we sometimes forget that we know what we know and our customers don't know what they don't know. And because we know what we know, we believe and, and we, have, we have certain perceptions around what's important. And it is important. We know that it's important because we, we, have, um, we have knowledge and expertise and we know what's important and, and what's not. Our customers have different ideas about what's important to them. So something that we might deem that's important because we've, we've got the degree, we've got the 20 years of experience, we've, we've, we've got the, the expertise and the insight, we know that it should be important to businesses, but sometimes it's just not important to other people. And it's our job to educate people around the importance of that. But sometimes, because, and particularly in my industry, small business owners are so busy, they have to prioritise the content that they're going to consume and digest and engage with. And if this information, even though I think it's really important, they don't particularly, they just don't think it's a priority for now because they don't know what they don't know. But they know what they do know and they, that's what they deem as, as a priority for them. And in small business, you know, and, and in any role, you know, we always have to make decisions about where we spend our time, where we spend our money, what content we, we invest in, et cetera, et cetera. So, so sometimes you'll post something that you think is really important and nobody else will think that <laughs> or they won't read it because they don't think that it's particularly engaging. Sometimes you'll post something and it's just not engaging. You just haven't hit the mark or the image that you've used just hasn't led to enough people stopping in their tracks in the news feed. Um, so you're just not getting as, as much traction and visibility on it and, and therefore you're not getting as, as much engagement. So there's all sorts of different reasons. Maybe you've just posted that piece of content at the wrong time of day. You know, if you've posted that piece of content at 11 o'clock at night when everyone's in bed, well, you're not really giving people the best chance to kind of 
um, engage with that content immediately. And the way the algorithms work in, in a lot of the social media channels is that they do look for that immediate grab on, on posts. So they do look for that immediate, like how long is it taking people to engage with this content? So I know sometimes um, oh, with any of the channels, not so much YouTube probably, um, but, but with Facebook and Instagram and, and, and LinkedIn, I know that if I post something and within 10 minutes it's got lots of engagement, I know that over the next couple of days that's going to be a really well-engaged with post because the, particularly with LinkedIn, they do actually leave it and, and permeate it kind of in the, in the feed for a while, roll it about a bit. They're more inclined to roll about the posts and make sure that they amplify the posts that they can see are getting the engagement because, remember, engagement is the currency of these social media channels. So they are looking for that engagement. So if your post sits on the platform for potentially six, ten hours with no one engaging with it, the algorithm's making decisions and going, okay, this is not particularly good content. This is not something that we're going to amplify. And that even, that even applies when you've, when you've boosted a post on, on Facebook. So if you've boosted a post, you can certainly buy eyeballs, but you can't buy engagement. So if you've boosted a post and, and sometimes if, if you'll see when you're actually boosting a post or um, ad, uh, advertising a post, it'll say this post will reach between, say, 300 and 1,000 people per day based on that budget. What that means is that if your content's really bad, um, it's probably going to reach about 300 people. If your content's really good, it's probably going to reach more like the 1,000 people, even though you're actually paying for that, for that content. So it kind of works the same on an organic or even an invested um, scenario. So, so again, sometimes timing can be important just to make sure that, that your post gets that little bit of, of traction and, and engagement to begin with, just to help it amplify a bit. But you know what? Every now and again, there are posts that you will just won't get that traction. You won't get that engagement. And I must say, because I've, I've always viewed those posts as a learning opportunity, um, so for me, if something flunks like that, I'll go, okay, what did I do wrong? Okay, you know, has the format been right? Have I posted it at the right time? Did I write a catchy enough kind of intro for that? Um, could I have done a, a, a more thumb stop? Could I have included a more thumb stopping image there? Could I have tweaked the headline? Um, you know, I look at all the components of that. Sometimes it's just, it's just simply a matter of, I think this topic's really important, but nobody else does. And hey, that happens, whatever. Move on to the next one. Learn from that post, move on to the next. Where you need to worry is if you're constantly getting um, no response <laughs> um, because nobody's seeing it and, and no response because then um, there's really, you're not achieving much. So, so at that point, it's, it's, if, if you're doing it yourself, it's probably an idea to um, go and get some help, go and get some advice. Um, but there's all sorts of things that, that, that might be causing that. But if you're kind of posting for a month, two months, three months, and, and you're just getting no traction on any of those, it's a pretty good sign that your content's just not hitting the mark. Um, 
if you've planned your content strategically, if you've actually gone through the strategic process of really understanding who your target audience is um, and understanding exactly how, you know, how your expertise is, is going to help them, um, understanding where your messaging is best placed, how you're going to differentiate yourself, you know, so that you're not showing up with the same content that everybody else is, all of these strategic considerations, if they've been put in place, it is very, very, very unlikely um, unless there is absolutely no demand for the information that you're sharing. Um, it's very unlikely that you'll get repeated crickets. But if you do, something needs to, to be addressed there. Um, but don't worry if one or two or in the beginning, if you're not getting much response. Um, it takes a little bit of time sometimes for... Um, people to kind of notice you and and for the for the um, channels to, to actually notice oh hang on a second she's alive there we go she's starting to post well let's just see if she she keeps posting because there's a lot of people that just chuck out a post and they don't get any response and then they just never do it again um, so we're just going to wait until we can actually see if she's serious or not before we we start to, to get behind it so so yeah don't, don't be too perturbed if, if the first one or two posts are, um, are not going viral. <laughs> um, so that's, that's pretty much all the fears wrapped up in a nutshell. And um, I hope I've been able to address some of those fears sometimes. And for some of you, those fears, you know, this might be the, the first time that you're recognising that some of the challenges or the blockages around your, your thought leadership are based on fear and not based on circumstance or somebody else's fault. Um, it's if it's important for your business, if you are in that niche space, if you are in that professional services area, particularly for business to business, but even, even if it's not business for business to business, there's so many other um, industries where where thought leadership is is so incredibly powerful um it's worth addressing those those fears and um if need be getting the help so i hope that information has been helpful and as always would love any of your feedback or comment um around this okay i'll look forward to to catching up with you if if you do want to provide any comments around this Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the How To Do Marketing Show. Hey, if you're really enjoying these episodes and feel like they are helping you become a better marketer, head into your podcast app and hit subscribe. That way you won't miss an episode and the marketing goodness will just keep flowing in. And if you know a small business owner who you think might also find this episode helpful or any of the other episodes helpful, please grab a screenshot of the episode and send it over to them. And of course, I always love to hear back from you in the form of ratings and review. It uh, helps other businesses find the podcast and it also makes me smile. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, everybody, happy marketing. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production. 